0: So, I think we all have heroes in our life. Um, for me, I really liked Peter Pan growing up. Um, so much so that when I was in probably the second grade, I put on green tights and a little hat and a little Peter Pan shirt, and I had a Peter Pan birthday party. My cousin was Captain Hook, and uh, it was pretty cool. And I also, the genie was a big fan of mine. It wasn't, it wasn't Tony. This is an organ. She's like trying to think. She's like, Cousin. Party. You had a Tinkerbell party? Yeah. We must be related. That's crazy. Um, I was not at your Tinkerbell party, but I, I said that like a little child. I was not at your, your Tinkerbell party. I'm <laughs> oh, so sorry. I wasn't at the Tinkerbell. I <laughs> wasn't at the Um, Another one was the Genie, though. I loved the Genie so much that I, probably the last time I appeared shirtless in public, but when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> I don't do it now because it's so it blinds children because it's so white. Um, But I dressed up like the genie and painted myself blue and danced around as a genie for a talent show, which was awesome. I had people I looked up to. um, I had people that I liked and I wanted to imitate. Um, Maybe you guys have heroes too. Maybe you guys have YouTube comedians that you're really into or musicians that you emulate. Everything they do, everything they dress, everything they say – You're really into. Um, Maybe it's a movie star. Maybe it's somebody. Every time you see a movie, you're just like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so into everything they do." Maybe even it's somebody on Instagram who just has a bajillion followers, and you're one of those followers, and you're like, "I wish I was like them. I wish I had that many followers." I think in every generation, we've had bad examples, though. Like, for instance, like you know, back in the day, they used to say that justin bieber and uh miley cyrus were role models like that would be things that would be in the newspaper like or i guess magazines because no one uses newspapers anymore I- internet blogs would be like oh yeah these guys are awesome they're role models and maybe some of you guys like you know you followed that progression like growing up like you watched hannah montana and back then you're like oh my gosh she's so awesome i want to be just like her i want to imitate her maybe uh you love justin bieber i mean and back then he was an admirable guy like he was this young dude Um, on YouTube, making these movies, and all of a sudden he blows up, and there was a lot to be admired about the guy and his heart, and maybe some of you guys, you know, had some of your, your uh, maybe some of the the reasons you looked up to those people went away over time, because you noticed, like, oh, wow, I put them up on a pedestal, but it turns out that they're sinners too, just like me. It's because that they're in the public eye, like Miley Cyrus and Justin Bieber, like, we end up seeing their flaws, And on the big screen, like we end up seeing what they do and the reasons they get arrested and the reasons that they get up on stage and they do things that are not generally good. And and so we see that. And so it's hard for us sometimes because we have these heroes we put on a pedestal, but we get let down. A role model is like somebody that you look up to. It's someone you're like, that's someone who's an example for me. And my question for you is to think about who is your role model? Like, who do you look up to? And who do you say like, that's who I want to emulate? I think we need to look at what the Lord would say about who our role model should be. So look at the very first verse. It says, therefore, this is chapter 5. Look at it. Some of you guys aren't looking. Ephesians 5, chapter 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. We got to stop right there because that's a really gnarly verse. I read that. Be imitators of Christ? That's really hard. Like, it's really hard to even imitate somebody who's not Jesus. I, I'm going to pick on Justin Bieber again. Actually, I'm not even going to pick on him. but Because uh, there's a lot of really funny comedians who will imitate him. But there's this one guy who loved Justin Bieber so stinking much. This, it's really sad. He's like a 35-year-old man. He spent about $300,000 to have surgeries and like hair transplants to like try to turn himself into Justin Bieber. Look it up online, he looks like a woman now, like a straight up lady, it's it's gnarly. He failed at trying to imitate somebody. Um, again, to illustrate the point, like everyone try to imitate, imitate a dog right now. Do it, imitate a dog, come on, yeah. Okay, you guys think at imitating dogs. I'm not convinced that any of you guys are dogs. Like, I thought Pete was a dog for a second. Really? When you heard him? I thought he was a Chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, Peter may sound like a dog, but he doesn't. He doesn't look like a dog. I am a dog. But you, you're yeah. sub <laughs> dog. Um, the point is, we can fail at imitating people. But here's the thing, guys: you can imitate Christ. At the very beginning, this says, therefore, be imitators of Christ as dear children. You guys can imitate Christ. Listen, please, listen. This is the start of the chapter, and this is really important. You guys can imitate Christ because you were designed to. It's really important to remember that you guys were created in the image of Jesus. You guys were created in the image of God. And so, because you're created in the image of God, you actually, in your DNA, have the potential to act like God. You have, I'm not saying like that you have the potential to become a God, but what I'm saying is you have the potential to be like Jesus. He created you with that potential and he wants to help you to be like him. And it's encouraging to know you have that design. It'd be like if you saw a bird and he was all bummed out. He's like walking around. He's like, I can't fly. This stinks. Like I don't have the potential. And you're like, no, stupid bird. You have wings. Like you absolutely have the potential to fly unless he was like a penguin. And then he just would be bummed out at his life. Um, but we have the potential to do what we're designed to do, which is to imitate Christ. You know, to be a Christian, that word actually used to be an insult. People would um, imitate Jesus. People who were disciples back in the day. Um, what's up, bye. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> um, come on down. Um, people would imitate Jesus and you'd have his disciples and you have the people who followed his disciples and they would try to act like him. They try to walk like him, talk like him, and more importantly, they try to love like him. They try to be like him. They try to reach people like him. And people actually started like getting annoyed. They'd insult them like, "Oh, you guys are just like Christians. You're like mini Christ. You're like little midget Jesus." That's like basically what the insult meant. But in the church day, like if you were a Christian, if you were somebody who got that insult, like that was meant to be a diss, you were stoked. You're like, "Sweet, you think I'm imitating Christ? That's awesome." It was, it was a label to people who imitated Christ, not to the people who are churchgoers. It's funny, the word ch- Christian now means somebody who goes to church. And that's what it means. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what you do with your life. I say we need to take that word back. I mean, I even sometimes, like, when I have to determine what to call myself, like, I, I will say, like, oh, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, which is the most accurate term, I think. In the Bible, uh, the word Christian is only used a couple times, but the word disciples used, like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. But, the original word of Christian meant someone who imitated Christ, and I think that's what we want to be. Um, you know, parents and their kids will run in situations where they'll imitate their kids. Um, I was talking to Brooklyn, and when Brooklyn was a little kid, she was hanging out in the garage with her dad and they're throwing darts. And her dad ended up like throwing a dart and like missing it and he swore. So then Brooklyn started swearing a ton. Um, uh, and he, she got in big trouble for it because I guess it's okay for parents to do but not little kids. Um, so we can imitate our parents in a bad way at times. Amanda told me that, uh, when she wanted to imitate her dad, what was it for again? It was for a school project. Like a school project. She had imitated her dad and she like, like school. she like put on his clothes and like baseball cap and glasses and she came out with like a coffee mug and a giant Bible and, she said she totally went like overboard, which is really cool. I'm sure my dad was stoked to see Amanda imitating him in that way. Imitation is the best form of flattery. I think we need to Instagram that on the Crossroads Instagram. Um, I think God's heart rejoices when you guys try to imitate him. When you guys try to act like Jesus, I think he's stoked. And here's the awesome thing is you guys might like listen to like, the command to, hey, imitate Christ. And you're like, that's really hard. But you've got to understand that God wants to help his children walk. Like, there's no father out there who sees some baby, like, struggling to walk, and he's like, you punk, I'm not going to love you until you can stand on your own feet. And, like, he doesn't go over and, like, kick the baby. That'd be weird. No, he, he wants to help his child walk. He wants to love his child and help them with their walking. That's the same way God wants to do with us. So here's three ways we're going to look at tonight at how God wants to teach us how to walk. The first one is to walk in love. The second one is to walk in light, and the third one is to walk in wisdom. Look at verse 2. It says, And walk in love, as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So the command is to walk in love, and that can be hard. Because so many times our natural tendency is to walk in selfishness. Some of you guys might know people. You can think of people who walk in selfishness. Their life is to please themselves. Maybe you know somebody who walks in bitterness. Maybe something was done to them. Something was difficult. Something happened in their life. And now they they carry around this chip on their shoulder where they're very bitter. Maybe you know somebody who walks around in anger or hate. But God calls us to walk in love god calls us to literally live as if our lives were a mission of love think about that like we think of life as just i'm here to kind of get by and do good in school and make money and you know have a good decent life but what if that was completely rewritten and tossed out the window and god was like hey you've got this mission you're living for your mission is to love your mission is to love other people what does that even mean though If only there was some sort of like guidebook, right? The Bible. We have it. You're looking right at it. And here's the awesome thing this is really cool. We're actually going to do a series later on this year about it. But the entire Bible is about love from Genesis to Revelation. It's a story about God loving you. And it's amazing if you read the Bible in that perspective. If you look at everything from Genesis to Revelation, it's the story of God creating His family, loving His family losing his family, and then desperately trying to... Are you kidding, James? <laughs> oh, man, I love you. You should probably try to stay awake, though, or you're going to fall again. Um, <laughs> I know, you could have died. That's going to be really awkward the entire night, but... <laughs> so, I love you, James. I love you. So, God's, God's mission... So Genesis Revelation is to create his family, he loses his family, and then he desperately tries to win and get his family back. And that's you. He loves you guys so much. He has such a great plan for you. If you look at the the regular books of the Bible, it's all about God creating us and loving us and guiding us. And then if you look at the Gospels, when Jesus shows up, he's the most perfect representation of what love looks like. Like, if you want to know how you as a human being can love others, if you're like, man, I know how God loves, but how can a human love? Jesus came down as a human to show us what love looks like demonstrated through a human. And it was God doing it. It's fantastic. The Gospels are amazing. I'm loving going through the sermon on that with you guys because we're seeing how Jesus loves people. Jesus is the ultimate, he's the ultimate example of selflessness. Everything about our world is, it's selfish. selfish and nowadays we see it more than ever because i mean we're constantly taking selfies and it's a mini expression of our selfishness and how we want people to see us and perceive us and we all do it i do it too and it's it's it, it's an expression of us like having this love of self this narcissism and we have to fight against it every day but jesus he was all about selflessness like laying down his life for other people he came to earth and he loved like he went around And he healed people. He spent time with people. Jesus was the guy who, you know, like certain people, like, I mean, most of us, the way it works is you show up at home fellowship or you show up at church or you show up at school, And you know who your friends are, you know who you're tight with, and then you know who the cool people are, where if you kind of get in there and you say the right kind of joke or you flirt the right kind of way with the right kind of people, you can get into those groups where you kind of raise up on the social ladder and, and people start to respect you more and you can climb that social ladder. Jesus was the guy who showed up and he went for the lowest guy on the run. Like, he would go to the lowest guy on the social rung and hang out with that guy and love that guy and heal that guy and befriend that guy. Jesus is amazing. Read the Gospels and see, like, what the example of Jesus. I'm glad that my my job as a youth pastor isn't stabby. (laughs) What I mean by that is, like, sacrifice. Like, Jesus is a good example of sacrifice. Sacrifice back in the day was really stabby. Like, (laughs) the priests... Like, the pastors back then, it'd be like, all right, guys, like, we're gathered together, bring out the cows, stab! And it'd just be, like, blood everywhere, going on everybody, gnarly. Like, sacrifice back then was a gnarly process where they would, they would, I mean, it's crazy because we're... We're not interested, like, I mean, it's, it's still gnarly to kill an animal. Like, to get burgers, like, have you, if you ever watch the videos and documentaries on, like, slaughterhouses, like, you'll see, like, what the animal has to go through. We're insta, we're used to insta food. Like, that's really what we get nowadays. It's, it's ready and it's packed. You can go to the stores and it's already packaged, ready for you to eat. Uh, but back in the day, like, you really got to see the process. And, and sacrifice, whether it's an animal sacrificing itself for God or sacrificing itself to be on your hamburger, sacrifice is, it's a, it's a gnarly, process but in in the end the smell is sweet like when you would get together and you'd sacrifice an animal and you'd smell that beef cooking like god's up there and it says it's a sweet smelling aroma god's like yes throw it on the grill smells good like our friend nick from Longpoke set up at camp it's a good thing and in in our same life we need that same kind of sacrifice like can can you look at your life and can you say that there's gnarly sacrifice like, can you look at your life and go, yeah, there's some gnarly sacrifices in my life for God. I'm not talking about, like, coming to church on Wednesday night. Like, oh my gosh, I should have been watching my favorite show tonight. I'm gnarly sacrificing for God hardcore tonight. I'm talking about, like, can you look at your life and say, like, like there are things that I want to do but I don't do because I know God has called me to do something else. Can you look at your life and say, like, there are things you've laid down for the Lord. I remember when um, my youth pastor, Evan, used to talk to us about, he'd be reading this book about this guy named Brother Yun, who was this Chinese, like, escaped, like, prisoner who, like, lived this gnarly life of sacrifice and prison and beatings, and and that was when Evan started to talk to us about prayer and fasting, which is something we're going to talk about a couple Sundays, but he was talking about, like, man, like, he, my pastor, Evan, he was saying, like, I don't sacrifice, like... I don't do anything for the Lord. Like, that's a sacrifice. Like, I need to. I need to fast and pray. Like, I, I need to give things up for the Lord. And it was an inspiration to me. Ask yourself, like, is there sacrifice in your life that's gnarly, but in the end, it's a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord? Sin needs sacrifice. Jesus sweat giant drops of blood when he was thinking about your sin. When he was, I mean, think about your own sin. Like, everybody, just think about your sin for right now. Like, you'll, don't get too bummed out because uh, we all sin and, and some, I mean, we're, not, we're not proud of our sin we're not happy of our sin but think about it Jesus thought about your sin and the thought of it the knowledge that he was going to have to go to that cross caused him to sweat giant blops or blops <laughs> giant blops of blood um, giant drops of blood he sets a really high bar so don't get bummed out by that high bar Jesus set because here's the question A father having a kid imitate them, is that father gonna expect a perfect imitation? Like can you imagine if like some little kid comes in the room and they're wearing their dad's shoes and they're wearing their dad's pants and shirt and it's like really baggy on them because they're a toddler and they come in, they're like, look dad, I'm just like you. Do you think the dad's gonna be like, you should grow six feet and grow a mustache. What's wrong with you? It needs to be a perfect imitation. That dad's just gonna be stoked. Like the, the baby can never fully imitate the man. And in the same way, we can never fully like, be like Jesus. Like, we can never fully reach that high level. But at least we can try. And the awesome thing is, if we try, God will be with us to help us. And he's not going to look at us with that disapproving eye. You can never be good enough. You can never do, as, no matter how hard you try, you'll never be like me. God's going to be stoked with every effort you make to be like him. He's going to be so blessed that you're taking that step of faith to do it. It's encouraging to me. He's happy to help us to be more like him. If you are training for a marathon, your coach is gonna say to you, stay away from these type of things. For me, like I was trying to lose weight and I was actually talking with (laughs) Becca right over here. She was in my office when she was in junior high and I was talking to Becca, and I was like, you know what, Becca, I'm fat. She was like, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. She, <laughs> she, she was really nice. But I was like, I need to lose weight. She's like, you can do it, Pastor Aaron. Yeah, you know, she's a sweet little sixth grade kid. She's like, you can do it. I believe in you. And I was like, oh, it's so sweet. And then I went out, and I bought an entire pizza, and I ate it. Um, so, <laughs> so true. Um, anyway, Jesus has things where he warns us, steer clear of these things. Like, these things are going to be in your path, and they are... It's like at camp when you have like the what not to bring list. This is Jesus' what not to bring list. It's basically him saying, this is what love is not. Look at verse 3. We're called to walk in love. Remember, here's how we don't walk in love. Verse 3. But this, these are some intense verses, okay? Verse 3. Fornication. That's a great word. But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be even named among you as is fitting for saints. So fornication... Well little explanation, if any of you guys don't know. Fornication is basically like sexual behavior with people who aren't, you aren't married to. It's sleeping with somebody you're not married to. And in God's eyes, it's a big deal. Uncleanliness basically follows everything that isn't sleeping with somebody, but it's still being sexual with someone you're not married to. And then covetousness is where, I mean, I think covetousness can lead to fornication. If you're sitting around and you're just like so bummed out with what you have, and you're looking at people and you're like, man... Like, they're so lucky, like, that boyfriend and girlfriend over there, like, they they get to sleep together, and that's awesome, I wish I had that, or maybe it's just stuff, maybe you're looking at people and you're like, man, I really wish I had what they had, I wish I had their fame, I wish I had their friends, I wish I had their abilities, and we can live a life of covetousness where we're just jealous of people all the time, and it, it causes bitterness. I think fornication and uncleanliness, that's a huge problem in today's society, and the problem is, guys, I mean, movies portray it as amazing, like, honestly, Movies portray it as like, like like sleeping around people, like movies and TV shows portray it as like the best thing ever, and they portray it as something that'll give you so much joy when God really designed marriage as amazing. He designed marriage as something where if you do it the right way, if you honor the Lord in it, you'll be so blessed, and you'll be fulfilled in all those ways that you feel now that you're like, oh, this sucks that I'm so young, and I can't be fulfilled in those ways, like... If you honor the Lord in those ways, like you're going to be so blessed later on in your life. But think about it. If something is amazing that God made, the enemy does everything he can to destroy it. The enemy does everything he can to ruin something beautiful that God made. And a lot of times what happens is you'll see guys, I'm just, I'm just being real with you guys, but um, as you guys grow older, and maybe some of you guys are doing this right now, you'll see young men, even Christians, pressuring girls to do things that are sexual. And it can be such a problem. They'll say, the guys will say, like, I love you. Like, I love you. You should do this with me. I love you. But the problem is they don't really love that girl. They have a love of self and a lust for her. And Christians can even fall into this. It's so important to keep our hearts pure and to ask God daily, like, Lord, help me to fight against this. Uncleanliness is everything else, and it leads to big sins. Some people have this idea, um, guys and girls, when it comes to sexual behavior, that it's like, it's like a museum. Like when it comes to, like, guys and girls in your life, you can act like it's like a museum. Like the rule of the museum is what? You can look, but you can't touch. And some people that think that's fine. Like, I even know some, like, I've heard some guys, and they're like, they'll they'll be checking out girls at the beach, and they'll just be like, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just, like, admiring God's creation. And it's like, no, like you never would look at a tree that way. That'd be weird. Like you're not staring at trees that way, bro. That's weird. Um, I mean, one small look from David, just look, he's out on the balcony of King David and he's a godly guy. He loves the Lord, but he sees some girl taking a bath and just one small look and then another look and that compromise led to just ruin. It led to death. It led to the death of that woman's husband and the death of um, David's son that he had illegitimately with that girl. And much more. This is something that I have a big heart for you guys. And you guys are all good kids. Like, I don't look at any of you guys, I'm like, oh, you guys are all sick freaks. But I know, like, good kids can struggle with this stuff too. People who love the Lord can struggle with this stuff too. And what I want to encourage you guys in, because you guys are my friends, really. You guys are with my family. God has such a big plan for you in this. Like, be encouraged. Sometimes it can seem dark at this age of your life because there are a lot of sins and struggles, but really God, he, he sees you, even in your sin, even when some of you guys mess up, he sees you and he's like, I have your best intentions for you. Like I see the light at the end of the tunnel and I see you like just stoked to be in a godly relationship. I see you stoked to be married to somebody who loves you for more than your looks and loves you for who Jesus has made you to be. Uh, God has these amazing plans for you and these amazing futures. And maybe some of you guys have made mistakes and you're like, well, that can't be me. I've made mistakes. I want you to know God has a plan for you. Like no matter what mistakes you've made, like God is about removing mistakes and erasing mistakes and moving forward to a beautiful future that he has for you. And I want you to be encouraged and know how much he loves you in that. Look at verse four. He goes on to say more things we need to avoid is foolishness, neither foolishness, nor foolish talking, or filthiness, sorry, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. And this basically just means dirty jokes, foolish and corrupt talk. And that's tough. Honestly, if I'm honest with myself, this part's tough because it's, it's embedded in who we are as a culture, like... I've watched a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows that are hilarious and they've had some inappropriate stuff in them and sometimes I can, you know, I can find that stuff funny if I'm not careful. Like, I can watch that stuff and it can be so humorous to me but what I don't know is that it's corrupting my heart and it's making me soft. It's it's making me hard-hearted to God and soft towards sin and it needs to be the opposite and maybe you've dealt with that too. Um, Understand what it's not though. Like, with joking around, It can talk about joking around. Like, I had a friend named Trevor Daigle. um, and him and I would joke around all the time. In high school, we had this thing where we would always just like, like, he would start talking and he'd be like, hey man, I really think I'd be like, yeah, shut up. (laughs) Like, just always. And he'd do the same thing to me. We just, we'd always be like, yeah, idiot. Yeah, you're you're dumb. But it was like, it was this weird, like, brotherly love thing where we knew we loved each other. Sounds weird, but we did. But then we had this guy named Mark in our class and we did the same thing to him because we thought he'd think it was funny. And he got really bummed out. Like Mark was super, super bummed out, and he thought we hated him. So we need to be careful. Another one um, <laughs> is be careful with our words. You know, and sometimes we can take liberty with the words that we say, especially as you guys grow older. There might be certain words where you're like, yeah, I'm older now, I can say these words that it's fine. But we need to be careful about who's around us. Because for for one, we need to examine our heart and go like, are these words that are glorifying to the Lord? But the other thing is sometimes the words we use can really stumble people. Like people who are trying to walk with God, sometimes we can be, whether it's anything, like there's so many things that we can feel like we have liberty in, but then there's people around us who are getting like stumbled in their walk with the Lord, and I've stumbled people. I think a big one with this is, is dirty jokes. And, I, was, I mean, I know all you guys, most of you guys very well. Uh, when you guys were in junior high, this was such a big one. Uh, because you guys were all, like, you know, growing up and, like, going through that time, which is really awkward. We were trying to figure stuff out. And you started to learn things. And all of a sudden, like, that's all you guys were talking about. Like, seriously, you guys would not shut up about that stuff. Um, most of you guys, I remember. Um, and... Some of you guys were big fans of the words with double meaning. You know, people were talking. Someone says something. It has a double meaning. And the people who are cool and in the know kind of give a look to all the other people and snicker to one another. Like, and, you know, some of us still do it. Um, but I hope I hope you guys have grown. I hope some of you guys have grown to the point where you realize that it is very immature. And it does have consequences because I've been doing youth ministry for a long time. And what I've seen is young kids, junior high kids... Who were listening to like older kids and, and I've been guilty of this too because I was in the same boat. But young kids who would be talking about something dirty or older kids talking about something dirty, younger kids overhearing them and going, I don't know what that means. Like, what is that? And then they go on the internet and they Google it and all of a sudden they're, they're flooded with images that are just bad for them and things that corrupt their heart. And it's sad that we can play a part in this. How does, how does God feel about this kind of stuff? Like, how does God feel? about whether this stuff should be a part of our life. Well, here's an example for you guys. So fire obviously hurts if you touch it. And in hospitals, they have burn wards. So there's these entire floors of hospitals that are dedicated to children who've been burned. Like just terrible, like their faces have been burned, their arms have been burned. This is in Brazil, okay? There's a hospital in Brazil. There's a burn ward with all these burnt children. So... They brought in a mascot to hang out with these kids. Like, you know how like sometimes like they'll bring like clowns into hospitals and like hang out with the little kids. They like, let's get a costumed mascot to come hang out with the kids in the burn ward. Can you guess what costume mascot or what can you guess what costume mascot they brought in to hang out with the kids in the burn ward? Fire. Fire. A giant angry flame. <laughs> no, I seriously, I'm going to post it. On our Instagram tonight, and you guys can see it. But it's it's like flamey, the angry flame, and he's like this, like literally, he's this giant fireball, and he's like this, and you see him in the hospital, like holding hands with little kids, just like, and it's like the thing that burned them is in the hospital, like trying to comfort them, and in a hospital for burn wards, the people who should be named among the people in there should be doctors and nurses, but a giant angry flame should not be named. Among them. Does that make sense? In the same way our life as a Christian, God's looking at you and he's like, hey, you're like, stop doing dead guy stuff. You're you're not dead. You're alive. Stop dressing like a zombie. Like, what are you doing? Like, those things, those corrupt things should not be a part of our life. They should not even be named among us. And I want to ask you guys, are those things named among you? Is that your reputation? Years ago, our reputation, Calvary Vista, at camps became that we were a bunch of vandals. And um, there was a couple of different reasons. Um, I'm going to pick on Scotty because uh, he he was young. He was interning for me at the time. And he thought it would be hilarious to prank, do a prank, where he went into the dining room with a bunch of the counselors. And they, like, moved all the furniture around. Okay, it was the rec room. The rec the room. Rec- the, rec- the rec room. And Scotty was in high school. He was interning for me. He's a cute little guy. Um, and he moved all the furniture around. But what he what he wasn't thinking was it was the last day of camp and no one would go in the rec room. So the only people who would see it were the camp staff. <laughs> and they also broke, him and Ethan Hill like broke a broke a leg off one of the tables in an accident. But Scotty's not the only dummy uh, because I'm dumb too. What I did was I took, me and Brooklyn, we're, we're both dumb. We took, I'm more... <laughs> i'm mostly i'm the dumb one she was probably trying to keep me from being stupid so we took a bunch of eighth graders into the dining hall one night and we're trying to do a prank and i thought it'd be hilarious to take a banana and stick it in the was that my idea or somebody else's who whose idea was that was that the idea? I don't know, but I approved of it. So we climbed up there and we stuck a banana in the monkey's mouth. They were like, this will be awesome. Well, the banana, like, the next day, as bananas do, like, it got mushy and, like, melted. And now there's, like, a soggy, nasty, like, mushy banana. It, like, yeah, dripping off his chin. Like, yeah, it's gnarly. It's, it was a bummer. Um, <laughs> so our reputation was vandalism. What's your reputation? Is your reputation one of sin? Is it one where it's like, man, if, if I want someone, if I know I need someone to joke about dirty jokes with, I'm going to go to him or I'm going to go to her. Maybe some of you guys have people like that in your life where it's like, I know the person, or if I can text something, like they're going to make me laugh because they're going to find something inappropriate no matter what I text. I mean, you can even text emojis inappropriately. Like some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, are these things that are named among us? They really shouldn't be. Is it is it fitting? Are these things fitting you? Um, some of you guys might know what it's like to try on clothes that don't fit you. Um, every time I go into H&M, I leave so bummed because their clothes are made for people who are like five times smaller than me. And I get depressed <laughs> whenever I go to H&M. Um, it's uncomfortable to try on their clothes. For you, does sin fit like a glove? Like, do you just slide really easy like into sin and it just fits you? And you're like, yeah, sin is awesome. Like, I feel comfortable. Or is there discomfort in sin? I was talking with uh, a friend of mine, and we were talking about another guy that we're friends with, and uh, we were talking about like, this video that we thought was funny, um, but it had some stuff that was a little bit inappropriate. And there was a dude that we knew who was friends, and he was watching it, and he's like, oh, I don't know if I can watch this. Like, This is kind of carnal. Ugh. And like, he was all like, I don't know if I can watch it. Um, and you know what? As much as like, my flesh wants to be like, what a nerd. Like, <laughs> my flesh, okay? the part of me that loves Jesus is like, dang, that's admirable. Like, that's admirable that like, even though that there wasn't that much, like, it was just like, like, I think like one bad word or something. And even like, listening to me say that, like, it was just one bad word. Like, to me, that that guy watched it and he was like stumbled by it and he was like, oh, I don't think I should be watching this. I admire that. And I strive for like more of that in my life, more of like being like, man, like, I, I admire that somebody like has that kind of conviction. Look at verse five says, for this you know, oh, this this verse is heavy, okay? Look at this, verse 5. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Whoa, that's a crazy verse. Has anyone ever read a verse like that and kind of been like, oh, I'm going to move along and uh, kind of forgot, I forget I read that? You guys ever done that? I've done that. Like read a verse where you're like, oh, I don't know. Listen to it again. It says no fornicator, no unclean person, no covetous person, like somebody who's like jealous, whoa. No no one who has idols, who's an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. That's a crazy verse. That's a harsh verse. It's saying that people who are living that way, people who are living lives of fornication and uncleanliness and covetousness and who are idolaters, they don't have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. They can't claim any inheritance, what is the inheritance? This is heavy stuff. Like, what is the inheritance? It's forgiveness. It's salvation. It's eternal life. It's, it's the kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. It's, it's what we're talking about on Sunday mornings. Like, living for the kingdom of God. I, I remember uh, watching The Hobbit, the last Hobbit movie. And, you know, the dwarves are there, and they're, they're with their gold. And, uh, you know, the elves come, and the men come. They're like, our village is destroyed because you were trying to get the dragon. Please give us our share of the money. And they're like, you have no claim to this inheritance. This is our goal. Like can you imagine showing up to heaven and god 's like you don 't have any claim to the inheritance that's I read that verse and i 'm like wow that's 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 troubling. I want to be really clear to explain this i I really studied this today because I was like man this verse is, this verse is crazy. I want to be clear to explain what it means. I think this verse can be tough because I think for all of us we 're looking at that list and we 're like i've we 've all committed at least one of those sins. What this verse is talking about is the people who don't have the inheritance, okay? It's not talking about people who were guilty before they are Christians. If you sinned in a big way, if you went out and you did something gnarly with somebody, if you just lived a life of just crazy sin, but then you've come to Jesus, like you're not held accountable for what you did because God was held accountable for you on the cross. And what this verse is also not talking about is Christians who struggle with sin which I think is most of us. I think we all, there's a lot of sins. I think all of us struggle with sin. The Bible's not saying like, if you're a Christian, but if you sin sometimes and you struggle, like you're cut out of the inheritance. That's not as all what it's saying. But what it is saying is if your lifestyle is defined by sin, if your lifestyle, if you, the way you live is just non-stop sin, that's where you have a problem. Um, A.W. Tozer says, that there's a lot of people who are professors but not possessors. What that means is people who say they have something but they don't actually have it. They talk big. I knew a guy named Jeremy. um, Probably shouldn't say his name, but I knew a guy named Jeremy. If you're listening to this, I love you. Um, but you were a dweeb in high school. Um, Jeremy said that he, he, he thought he was like so hot and he thought all the girls liked him. He told me, he's like, man, Aaron, like, if you want the girls to like you, you gotta like lick your fingers and then like lick your, like lick, do your eyeballs, your eyebrows slick back. And the girls really liked that. And I was like, this guy's a freak. And he always smelled like axe. I'm going to have to edit this out. Anyway, um, <laughs> I feel so bad. I feel like such a dirtball. Anyway, um, the girls didn't like him. So he was a pro- he was a professor, but he didn't he didn't he wasn't a possessor. Okay, um, <laughs> he talked big. He didn't actually have any girlfriends. Um, <laughs> if you're making sin regular in your life, and you're professing to be a follower of Christ. If you have sin in your life and there's no remorse, what I mean by that is if you're sinning all the time and you don't feel anything, that's where you've got a problem. J. Vernon McGee says if we can sin and feel nothing, then we probably should question our salvation. And here's the, here's the thing, guys, listen. If that's you tonight, if you're here and you're, you're like convicted right now because you're like, oh my gosh, like I sin all the time. I don't feel anything. I don't feel any conviction. I'm not sorry about my sin Please, like, let's talk. Like, come find me or a counselor tonight because we love you guys. And guys, like, that's a big problem, but it has an easy solution, which is Jesus. It has an easy solution of turning your heart to God. If that's you, we want to pray with you. But here's the the reality. Every believer will struggle. And I think the majority of you guys in this, I was going to say room, in this field, in this circle... (laughs) The majority of you guys, you guys are believers. You love Jesus. You struggle with sin. I mean, Abraham, God's chosen guy, struggled with sin. He doubted God. He, like, did gnarly, gross stuff. He lied. Like, David, again, like we said, like, David um, did gnarly stuff. And then even John the Baptist. you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, there has never been a greater man who walked the face of the earth. Besides John the Baptist. That's what Jesus had to say about John. At the end of John the Baptist's life, he started to doubt. When he was in prison, he started to doubt. Like He's like, I don't know if Jesus is like, maybe, maybe there was another guy. Like, and he baptized Jesus. Some of you guys struggle with doubt. No, you're not alone. We can struggle with sin, but the important thing is what we do with that sin. Do you feel remorse? Do you feel guilt when you sin? Do you feel bummed out? Do you go to God with that and ask for forgiveness and ask for help? That is what is truly important. We're going to wrap this up now. We're going to kind of cruise through the rest of the verses. Look at verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Verse 7. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. God's saying he means business. There's going to be people who tell you, like, oh yeah, there's no hell. Like, there's no hell. Like, God doesn't punish people. Like, you're fine. Just be a good person and you're okay. The reality is Jesus calls you to follow him. There is a hell. There is death. And Satan, what he offers you is he offers you this cake, which I've said before many times in junior high. But Satan offers you a cake that's beautiful and tasty and it's got all the frosting and all the stuff on it, but it's hollowed out and the inside is filled with poison. We're all born rebels and God will judge rebels, but he extends mercy and love and friendship to those who wish to be free from the chains of their rebellion. We are all sinners, but we don't have to be slaves to sin. And as much as it might be enjoyable for a time to just do whatever we want in sin, in the end, it always brings death. But God looks at us and he doesn't say, you pathetic sinners, you rebels, I hate you. God says, oh my gosh, my family, like I love you, I wanna rescue you. He throws down a rope and he says, take it. He throws down a lifeline and he says, hey, you're gonna have to let go of the weight that's holding you down. But once you take the rope, you'll be pulled up to safety and you won't be consumed by God's wrath. That's loving, that's generous. And the awesome thing, I mean, yes, like God's wrath will destroy the wicked, but the awesome thing is God's not just like, all right, like I wanna destroy the bad people, but if people turn to me, like I guess I'll spare them, whatever. God's like, I will not only spare you, But if you choose to follow me, if you choose to let go of your sin, I will love you. I will take care of you. I will have a friendship with you. I will walk with you and bless you. And even if your life is hard and you're poor and you don't have a house and a boat and all that stuff that the prosperity gospel tells you you'll have, you will be richer than the richest man on earth because you have Jesus Christ with you as your friend, as your savior in your heart. The second thing he tells us is to walk in light. Verse eight says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are in light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And really simply, if there's a blind man and he gets cured, wouldn't it be silly if he put on a blindfold and started walking around? You'd be like, did you miss being blind that much? But that's what we do. When we go back to our sin, it's like the Bible says a dog goes back to its vomit. It's gross. We've been made to see. When we return to our sin over and over again, we're like that guy who puts the blindfold back on. We need to walk in the light. Verse 9 says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Guys, I'm so excited to see God's plan unfold for you. I love you guys so much. You are like my favorite people in the world. I'm so thankful that I get to continue to be your pastor. And you guys are children of the light. You guys have God's spirit. No matter how spiritual you feel tonight, no matter how much you read your Bible or how many times you come to church, you guys are children of the light. And God has called you to walk in love and light. I'm excited because I think some of you guys are going to do amazing things for the Lord. I think some of you guys are going to do missions work. You're going to go... And you're going to go to foreign countries where people have never heard the gospel and you're going to bring that gospel to them and God is going to change their world because you were bold enough to take a step of faith and leave what you knew, whether it's a short-term mission trip for a couple months or whether it's like you go there to live, like God is going to use some of you guys in this circle in radical ways. I think some of you guys are going to raise children and you guys are going to be the best moms and dads and you're going to love those kids and those kids are going to grow up so strong in their faith with Jesus because they have such amazing parents to look up to. I think some of you guys are going to spend your lives leading people to Christ. I think you are going, God is just going to fill you. Even some of you guys who are afraid, like we've done street witnessing, and some of you guys have been afraid. I think God is going to fill some of you guys with his spirit, and and you guys are going to go out there, and you are just going to be like, man, I was so afraid, but now God has opened up my heart so that I can tell people about him, and people are going to come to Christ. I think some of you guys will feed the hungry, I think some of you guys will comfort orphans and widows and people in jail. I think some of you guys will be encouragers. You'll just go around, you'll, just be, you'll be filled to the max to go to other believers and give them verses and give them words of comfort and pray for them when they're having hard times and speak to them words of comfort. I think some of you guys will use your talents and gifts for the Lord. Some of you guys have been gifted athletically, musically, um, just with your intellect, like with your abilities. Like some, You guys are so talented. You guys are such a fantastic group of people. I think that God is gonna use those talents. Some of you guys will grow up to serve as pastors and leaders and counselors and teachers and worship leaders. And some of you guys are gonna work at coffee shops and some of you guys will be janitors and some of you guys might be in charge of big businesses and some of you guys might work at restaurants or work at Jamba Juices or some of you guys like, I don't know what you guys are gonna do. Some of you guys are gonna go off to college and you're gonna get your dream job, but God is gonna use you wherever you are as lights for him. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, whether or not you serve on a church staff or not, God is going to use you in amazing ways. And I am so excited that I get to sit back and watch what he's doing in your life. It's, it's the fruit, guys. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in you. And it's the great adventure of living and building God's kingdom. Verse 11 says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Don't have fellowship with darkness. Could Frodo save Middle-earth if he was hanging out with Sauron all the time? No, he'd die. Like, if Luke Skywalker was out, like, having daddy-son, like, lunches with Vader, like, the the, the story would turn out different. And even though Bowser, like, races carts with Mario and plays tennis with him on the weekends, like, still, Mario should not be hanging out with him. That's dumb. That's a dumb joke. Anyway, moving on. Uh, It's just weird. It's just always weird to me. It's like, why do they hang out (laughs) in all these, like, Mario sports games? Anyway, verse 12 it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. It's Talking about the secret things done in the world, that are shameful. I've done something shameful. I told you guys this before, but I went out and I went to the store. I bought a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, but I didn't have a spoon. So I could have just waited until I got home, but I really wanted it. So I popped off the top and I'm driving home and I just like took my teeth. And I was like, ha! And I just like, and I was, like, scraping it, like, with my teeth, like, pulling chunks out. And then I, like, took the bottom, and I was squeezing the bottom like a push-pop, like, and I was just, like, nibbling on the ice cream, and, like, the ice cream was getting all over my beard. And there was, like, a moment where I realized I'm in Vista. Like, people who know me could see me, like, and I was like, that would be shameful. But my desire for the Ben and Jerry's overcame my knowledge that it was shameful, I just went for it. I was just was macking on that ice cream, like gnarly style. And it, it, was, it got all over me. <laughs> that should be a new In-N-Out menu item, gnarly style. Anyway, um, <laughs> sometimes our desire for what we want can drown out the shame and the conviction in the Holy Spirit. And the question is, like, do you dread sin? Like, do you think of sin as something that is out to destroy you? Or do you think of it as something you just make excuses for? I think with dogs... Like the problem with dogs is that people make excuses for their stupid dogs. I'm sorry if you're a dog person. I love dogs, but I was bit by a dog. Like I went out for a walk and this stupid dog came up and bit me. And I was like, ah oh! I was actually yelling. I was like, Your dog bit me. Like I was yelling at this lady. And she's just like, He's alright. He's fine. Like, do you ever notice that? Like if you go to someone's house and like the dog runs up and starts jumping on you, the owner's always like, oh, he's fine. It's like No, like he's, he's jumping on me. He bit me. Like if you had a human friend and that human friend started like yelling at people like, Hey, Hey, I'm going to kill you. And then like, if that human friend like ran up and bit somebody, you wouldn't be like, he's all right. He's fine. You'd be like, no, you're an idiot, man. What's wrong with you? That's how we need to look at sin, not as like this cute little puppy that we make excuses for. Sin, we need to look at it as like a rabid dog that's out to destroy us. We need to stop making excuses for it and call sin what it is. Verse 13 says, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. If a a cornered animal is in your house, a cornered animal is dangerous. Like Satan is a cornered animal. He knows he's going down. And he's going to try to take down anyone he can with it. If you want to get a cornered animal out of your house, you've got to drag it out into the light. You've got to drag it out of the darkness into the light and expose it for where it is and kill it. If we don't do battle with sin, it'll stay and it'll make home in our house. I had a mouse in my house and I wasn't like, oh yeah, mouse, just hang out in my house. That thing was running around, scaring my wife, freaking her out like, I went to war with the mouse and I bought traps and I set them and I put peanut butter on them and I put traps all over the house and I almost stepped in one and it was really scary but eventually like after days and days of waiting like that mouse was destroyed and in the same way like we can't just let sin hang out in our lives or it'll destroy us we have to make war with sin we have to do battle with it we have to let God destroy it by giving up the things that we like but the things that lead us to sin In verse 14, it says, therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And we could do a whole study on that because we did at camp, remember? Awake, O sleeper, that was the theme of camp. The point is, I think God is still continuing to call some of you guys to wake up. He's saying, hey, wake up. Like, camp was great, you had a good experience, but you're slipping, you're going back to the same things you used to. God is saying, wake up, I'm trying to speak to you right now. Let's let's finish this chapter, Read. let's read verses 15 through 20. Says, see then, this is the third thing, we had walk in love, walk in light, now we're doing walk in wisdom. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Last two verses. 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20, giving thanks always for things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So to finish this out, here's what he's talking about. He's saying life is like a minefield. You ever been on a minefield? Hopefully not. But if you're on one, it's gnarly. If you step wrong, you blow up. We need to walk Wisely, Because Satan has put traps all around you. So what's the source of wisdom? Does anyone know? Where does the Bible says the source of wisdom is? Anybody? Proverbs, source of wisdom? It's the Lord. God is the source of all wisdom. And he's written a whole book full of wisdom for you. I was thinking about this the other day. I was walking around and... um, Have you guys ever done this? Like you are cruising around... And you hear that little like, can anyone do the noise like the little Tweety bird like when you get a text? Yeah, that. Yes. Have you guys ever heard that? And you pull out your phone to see if it's for you? You know what I mean? Like you hear the text noise, you're like, oh, it's probably for me. And you pull it out and it's like not for you. Like, it happens to me all the time. I'm walking and I hear somebody who has my same text tone. They can be like all the way on the side of the roof. Like, I can hear it like really faint and quiet and I'm like, well, maybe it's for me. Like, I'm so like desperate to see if somebody like is trying to communicate with me through my stupid phone. And I'll pull it out and I'll be so like, and I'll be bummed. Like, oh, it wasn't for me. Like, what if we treated God like that? Like, what if we walked through our lives and we were constantly on the lookout for what God had to say to us? Like, we heard somebody something somebody or we heard something somebody said. We were like, was that for me? We were listening to a Bible study, and something gets said, and we're like, was that for me? We open up our Bibles, and we're like, was that verse for me? Is God trying to speak to me right now? I think we're so desperate for communication through these things, through our many different apps. Like, it's it was like that since Instant Messenger came out. And I remember I would run to my room to get on MySpace to see if I had any messages from Brooklyn, because we were in a long-distance relationship. But even before that, like, just desperate to see if somebody messaged me or texted me, like, is is someone communicating with me? And meanwhile, God is like, hey, I love you. I'm trying to communicate with you every day. I've written a whole love letter to you. Will you read it? Guys, if we want to understand God's will, we need to go after it. We need to ask God, what is your will? We need to open up his word. We need to pray and talk to him. If you walk into a room full of drunks who are drunk on wine or Or beer, you know, people who, not just people who drink, but people who like drink to the point of just like drunken stupor drunkenness, where they're out making fools of themselves. That's the full representation of what the flesh can do. When you're drunk, it's like, that's the representation of like your flesh out in display, you acting without limitations to like what evil you can do. And God says, don't be filled with drunkenness. Don't be filled with wine or beer. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with God's Spirit. The key to fellowship, verse 19 is beautiful. Look at verse 19 again. It's a beautiful verse. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That verse is awesome. That's like what we do. But I feel like so many times, even when Pete was playing the first couple songs, Sometimes it could just be routine. It's just, we're just singing songs. because that's what we do because we're Christians. We sing songs and people who aren't Christians think we're weird. But we are singing to God. And not only that, we're encouraging one another. Like, is your life a love letter to Jesus? When you listen to a Bible study, are you like loving Jesus and loving what he's saying to you? When you're singing songs, are you just singing those words that you know? Are you like singing to Jesus because you desperately love him? Everything we do here and out of here should be to encourage others, to point others to him, and to thank God. To thank him for everything he's done for us. That's what we're going to do in a second. I'm going to have Peter close with one song and then we'll break off into groups. But um, the last thing I'll say is this. All this stuff that I'm talking about can be a really high bar. Some of you guys are feeling it right now. You're like, oh my gosh, this is a lot of stuff to like live up to. Again, Jesus is like that father who looks at you and he's like, I'm not looking for a perfect imitation because you can never be that. The baby can never be the man. But we can bless our father by the way we imitate him. When a dad looks at that little kid dressed like him and trying to act like him, he's so stoked. And he's going to take that kid by the hand and he's going to help him to do what he's called to do. In the same way, you guys are called to love Jesus and you're called to serve him. You're called to bless other people. And there's a quick story about a guy who was a painter master artist and he dies and he's this brilliant painter does all these amazing paintings and there's a little boy in the village who goes to the house and he's like he talks to the guy's wife and he says can I please use his brush so that I can paint the way he does and the lady's like sure sure so she gives him the brush and he goes and he tries to paint the pictures but it doesn't work and the, the wife comes out and she's like You've got the brush, but you don't have his spirit. You don't have the spirit of the artist. So you can't really do anything. And here's the reality, guys. God wants to do great things with you. And when you got saved, you got God's spirit. Like his spirit came on you. It fell on you. And we ask him to fill us again with his spirit often. But the question is, even though you have all of God's spirit, does his spirit have all of you? Think about that. Does God's spirit have all of you? You have all of him, but does he have all of you? Have you given him what he's asked for? Have you sacrificed what he's asked you to sacrifice? Are you still holding on to things that he's saying, hey, I want you to let go of this? And if you would give God everything he asks of you, he would give you back so much more in return. He would bless you in ways that you would never imagine. I want to encourage you guys to do it. Let's worship right now. Let's sing a song and let's, let's really give God all of us. Let's, let's lay it out for him and let's show him that we love him. Um, you wanna pray, Pete?